0: Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree.
1: This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. What do mustard seeds and leaven have to do with our spiritual life? Today, David continues his series, The Kingdom, a study of the parables that Jesus taught to his followers and his disciples. On today's broadcast, David looks at two parables that go hand in hand in a message he calls The Parable of the Mustard Seed.
0: We're continuing our study of the Kingdom of God, uh, looking at different parables in Matthew's Gospel that he taught. Uh, Let me give you just a quick insight into what we've covered already. We've looked at the parable of the sower and the soils in Matthew 13. Uh, Then we looked at the parable of the wheat and the tares. Last week's message, a powerful teaching from Jesus about how the evil one sows tares who look like Christians but aren't really Christians in the kingdom of God. And all of us have seen that happen over the years. Uh, I watched the movie Spotlight this weekend, just a tragic tale of the pedophilia scandal in Boston. And I found myself going, there are tares sown in the kingdom. People who say they're Christians, but they're not producing the fruit of Christ and really are following a different gospel than the one I know. So today we take the next parable in the line of the sower in the soils and the wheat and the tares, two small little parables together, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till all was leavened. And that the old leaven then grew to be all over the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. As you read these two parables, there are two different possible interpretations. And as I read different interpreters this week, one would take one position, and then the very next one I read would take exactly the opposite position. So what I decided to do was to present to you both interpretations. And then you can make the decision if you choose one or the other, or maybe somehow both of them can be true at the same time. Here's the first interpretation. It's all about the growth of the kingdom. Uh, Jesus starts out, saying the seed, like he did with the parable of the wheat and the tares, is the word of the gospel. Um, It is planted in a field, in soils, as you will. Uh, This mustard seed, Jesus said, is the smallest of all seeds. Now, spiritual skeptics through the years have tried to entrap Christians by saying, scientists know the mustard seed is not the smallest of all seeds, but it was in Jesus' day in Jesus' location. There are smaller seeds in other parts of the world, but it's the smallest seed in Palestine in that area of the world when Jesus existed. And and when that seed is planted in the soils, a tree begins to spring up and slowly but surely it grows. Now, now notice it's a seed from the outside, the gospel, that comes into the soil and produces a tree. It, It has to do with the difference between religion and the Christian faith. Religion's all about rules and regulations. It's what we've got to do to earn God's favor. But the Christian faith is not about rules and regulations. It's about an internal reality, the seed of the gospel invading our hearts and us having a personal relationship with the living God of this universe through Jesus Christ. And then the tree grows and to about a size of eight feet or so. Some trees went 12 feet or larger. And then birds would come and nestle in the branches of that tree. And so the interpretation is that the seed of the gospel is like the kingdom that goes into this world and it slowly but surely produces a huge tree where the birds represent all the nations of the earth and come and dwell in its branches. Then the parable of the leaven is a similar kind of parable where. The leaven, which is small, imperceptible, comes into the loaf of bread and slowly but surely the bread expands and grows and grows until ultimately these three holes could feed almost 100 people. So therefore, it's another evidence of something outside the gospel coming into the loaf, the world, and the loaf expanding and growing to feed lots of people. So the interpretation is quite simple, that the kingdom of God started out small with Jesus born in an insignificant stable in Bethlehem, and then he chose 12 fairly insignificant followers called his disciples, those 12 became 120 in the upper room, and then when the Holy Spirit was poured down upon them, those 120 became 3,000 at Peter's first Pentecost sermon, and then from there, the gospel to this day, 2,000 years later, has spread to most of the nations on the face of the earth. So that's one interpretation It is the growth of the kingdom of God, starting with the seed of the gospel of the word of God planted into human hearts who then grow and tell others, and eventually now all the world is nestled in the branches of that small mustard seed that's become an 8 to 12-foot tree. Okay, that's one interpretation, and some people believe it's as simple as that. But there are people who object to that interpretation. They take a second view and say this has much more to do about the obstacles that face Christians who are trying to advance the kingdom of God. There are many reasons people look at this kind of idea. They they believe that the parable of the mustard seed is probably closer to that interpretation, but when you get to the leaven, there are some issues that are up in front of us. What are they? Well, first of all, if you look at the whole idea of the continuum of this parable, uh, first of all, that it starts with the parable of the sower and the soils, and each one of those four soils represents human hearts. There's a hard heart where the seed of the gospel just bounces off and a bird comes and swoops down and that bird is the devil who takes the seed of the gospel away. So some interpreters say, wait a minute, in the first parable that Jesus chose, the birds weren't good, all the nations of the earth resting in their branches, the bird was the evil one himself. Let me give you this insight too from Revelation uh, chapter 18, verse 2, I need to tell you this. This verse reads, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she has become a dwelling place for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. So in God's judgment against Babylon, which is symbolic of all the rottenness in all the nations of the earth, all the immorality that takes place in nations... One of the comparisons is to birds that are in Babylon. So every place in the Bible, it seems like, where birds are mentioned as a part of God's kingdom, it's in a negative context. And then you look at leaven, for example. In the second parable, yeast is always, in the Bible, looked upon negatively. And there are several different instances of that. First of all, with the Jewish nation. When they had Passover bread that they ate every year at the Passover celebration, they ate what kind of bread? Unleavened bread because yeast was seen, especially in Old Testament, what's called typology, symbolism, as sin. So you keep the yeast out of the bread because it's a symbol of sinfulness that the Jews weren't supposed to ingest. And then you look at the Apostle Paul and some of his teachings. Now, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he wrote these words. To the Corinthian church, your boasting is not good. Do you not know what a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So he's calling them to humility to get rid of their pride in their lives. And he gives pride and leaven a synonymous understanding. So from Paul's perspective, leaven was not seen as good. It was seen as a sinful quality that was to be kept out of the church. Thirdly, Jesus' constant warnings about the leaven of different people. For example in Matthew 16 verses 6 through 12 and other places in the New Testament He says for example beware of the leaven of the Pharisees Now the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day Who tried to interpret the Ten Commandments into 613 moral laws That they tried to obey every single day of their lives Of course Jesus called them hypocrites They couldn't do it nor could you or I But Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What's the sin or the leaven of the Pharisees? It's formalism. It's reducing the faith to mere rules and regulations. It's defining a relationship with God as what you've got to do day in and day out to get his approval. It's performance-based religion, and it's deathly. Some of you came from toxic churches that said God's only going to love you if you do enough to obey him. Now, now you do want to obey God, but it's not because you have to to earn his favor. It's because you want to in response to the gospel. So Jesus said, beware of the Pharisees' leaven. It'll kill your heart. Then he also says, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. Who were the Sadducees? They were religious leaders in Jesus' day who were more liberal in their interpretation of the Torah. And they did not believe in a resurrection from the dead, for example. That's why they were sad, you see. You'll never forget it, okay? It's a sick, stupid joke, but you'll never forget it. The Pharisees were legalists. The Sadducees were liberals. And the leaven of the Sadducees is rationalism. It's what's happened in many of the mainline churches in America. What's been introduced is a mere rationalistic faith, and if it can't be explained scientifically, people don't believe it. All I can tell you is the God I believe in is the God of the miraculous. He said so over and over again. Jesus practiced it, and if you have trouble with miracles, then you've got trouble with the opening verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, which says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now, dear friends, if you believe that, you should not have any trouble with any miracle because the God who created this world is quite able to do whatever he wants to do. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees where faith is reduced to liberalism and rationalism and you don't believe in the power of an almighty God who can do all things. He also said, be aware of the... Leaven of the Herodians. The Herodians were religious leaders in that day, but their whole deal was to be in cahoots and collude with the Romans so they could stay wealthy. So beware, believers, of the danger of materialism, the danger of worshiping money above all else. Then he also says, beware of the teaching of the scribes. Well, the scribes were religious leaders of that day, who had as their purpose the teaching of God's word. And Jesus said, beware of them. What is their leaven? It's false teaching. Jesus warned about false teachers. Paul warned about false teachers. Peter warned about false teachers. Over and over again, there are people who can creep into the church and teach falsely. And and I warned you last week that here's what you need to listen to from teachers of the word of God. Do they say that you're a sinner? Or do they they just give you a feel-good message that all's going to be okay? The biblical message is all of us have sinned and fall far short of the glory of God. Do they teach repentance? Or do they just say, try harder? Repentance means you stop what you're doing because you know it hurts the heart of God. Do they teach judgment? That there's the reality of the judgment of God upon sinners. And do they give you the warning about the reality of eternal separation from God if you don't? Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Those are not popular teachings. They don't create national television ministries, but they are the truths of a true teacher of God. And if someone doesn't teach those things, they're a false teacher. That's why Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the scribes. They're not teaching you the truth. And finally, as you look at the place in the parables again, if you look at the parable of the sower and the soils, there are obstacles there. The enemy, who takes the seed of the gospel off the hard heart. The second heart, the shallow heart, the mere emotional heart. When they are persecuted because of their belief in the word of God, they flee. The third heart, the deceitfulness of riches, that money will meet the deepest longings of your heart. And also, the worries of this world, the cares of this world. Being so busy, you never contemplate the true cross of Christ. Those are obstacles to those three hearts. It's only the fourth heart that bears fruit. And in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the next one, the evil one sows tares right alongside wheat. They're really weeds, but they look exactly like the wheat. The one thing that separates them, though, is fruitfulness. The wheat bears fruit. The tare does not. And there's an obstacle in the kingdom because there are people who say they're Christians but don't bear any fruit for God, and they're not any more Christians than the man in the moon. So then the next parable are these two. So it makes sense, doesn't it, that in the parable of the mustard seed, that there are obstacles, the birds and the branches. The birds in the first parable were the, was the evil one. Here we have demonic hordes that stand against the advancement of the kingdom. And in this parable, there's leaven that is a negative element sowed into the loaf of the world that is not good, it's sinful, Jesus said, beware of it. So those are the four reasons a lot of folks say, this parable is a lot more talking about the obstacles that exist in the kingdom of heaven. Now, make your choice. Or I think both of them are true to some degree. And you're going to see in a couple of weeks the same thing happening with the parable of the pearl and the parable of the hidden treasure. There are two meanings And both of them are valid. So if you can dance with me with both interpretations and say both have some truth in understanding the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus is trying to do, to help us understand the kingdom of God. Let me give you several insights that I think both of them teach. First of all, don't despise the days of small beginnings. That's a verse from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. I love that idea because Jesus began small. Have you ever thought about the idea that God chose to put his son, his only son, in a smelly stable in an insignificant little city outside of Jerusalem to be the birthplace of the savior of the world? I don't know about you, but if I'd been in charge... I'd had Jesus born in the halls of the Roman emperor. I'd have his birthplace as Rome, the capital city, so he could always feel like an important Roman citizen. (laughs) But God chose to be birthed in the midst of manure.
1: This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio continuing our conversation about the dangers of following the path of least resistance. We'll be right back.
2: This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, Tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard Quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach, cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he he forgot something like a lot of young young kids do. He forgot something in the um, space and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and let us all in prayer and close it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half, and, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at org, or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and i always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries, you can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark.
1: I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: It's my pleasure, Jen. Great being with you as well.
1: Well, this week, we've been taking a deeper dive into phrases and statements that you call Davidisms. And a tough one for all of us is to follow the path of least resistance. What in the world do you have to say about this?
0: Well, we're all walking down a path of life, Jen. Every single one of us has our journey that God has called us to enter into. And again, if each one of us is on some kind of path in life, we need to understand this very important phrase. The most dangerous path you can walk down in life is the path of least resistance. Hmm. As humans, we inherently resist what we perceive to be as difficult. Anything we deem intimidating or arduous, we seek to avoid. Instead, we're inclined to choose the path of least resistance, Mm -hmm. whatever's easiest, requiring the least amount of effort, labor, or hard work. But ironically, it's the very lack of resistance that is most dangerous to us all. Why is that? Because the absence of difficulty can lead to idleness laziness. I love this word, slothfulness. (laughs) Look at the sloth, Mm -hmm. that animal who just looks like he's sleeping all of the time. All of those things, laziness, idleness, slothfulness can be very deadly. In the Roman Catholic history of the church, slothfulness, laziness is one of the seven deadly sins. Laziness can shortchange us of realizing the very dreams that God placed in our hearts. Picture an archer drawing back the string on a bow. The arrow's power is born from resistance. It's what enables the arrow to reach its mark. Or another example, consider how resistance training with Mm -hmm. weights or bands makes our muscles much stronger. Mm -hmm. The same is true in life. It's the tension in the trials that tests our faith and produces perseverance. That's what Paul says in Romans 5, three through five. He says, rejoice in your tribulations, in your resistances, for that's what produces perseverance, and that perseverance produces proven character, and that proven character produces hope. You see, perseverance is what propels us forward to achieve our dreams and keep our hopes alive. So next time you're faced with a decision to make, remember, dear friends, as you're walking down the path God has chosen you in life, make sure you don't take a side trail down the path of least resistance because the most dangerous path in life is that one, again, the path of least resistance.
1: Wow, this is really good. And it reminds me of a, a secular book that I've actually read in the last couple of years called Grit and how there's a GPA for academics, but there's also this thing called a grit point factor that we need to be raising our kids with this awareness to do hard things, to fail, to get up again and, and develop this sense of perseverance.
0: Yeah, Mitch Daniels is the former governor of Indiana and now the president of Purdue University, and he has actually told his admissions office, don't just look look for the grade point average. Look in their history for how they've had to persevere through problems because we have found, Daniel said, that the student who is able to persevere through difficult times becomes their best student, not necessarily those who just have academic training.
1: Wow, that's so good. Thank you so much. That's very enlightening. And for us as believers, perseverance of our faith.
0: Yeah, keep moving forward, folks. Don't travel down that path of least resistance. It's deadly. And if you'd like to receive a daily moment of hope from me, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. Look for that Moment of Hope. You can subscribe. It'll get to your inbox daily at 7 a.m. It's my gift to you free of charge.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly HopeCast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you pray for the strength of marriages in your sphere of influence.